0: Today, we speak with Debbie Sanford, who is a retiree that is rocking her retirement. Like many retirees, she divorced after retirement, which is one of the things that this show tries to prevent. She then moved to a city where she didn't know anyone, and she had to build a network so that she wouldn't feel like it was up to her daughter and new grandbaby to provide all her social activities for her. She moved into a fifty five and older mobile home park. This park has everything. It provides a lot of activities, and that's one of the reasons she likes living there. But she didn't stop there. Listen to the rest of the show to find out how she is now rocking her retirement and how you can, too, by learning what she does and getting your own ideas from that on today's episode of Rock Your Retirement
1: talking with people about how to have a great retirement. This is the Rock Your Retirement Show. We don't talk about money, but we talk about almost everything else you need to rock your retirement. Now, here's your host, Kathy Klein.
0: Hi, this is Kathy with Rock Your Retirement. Today we're talking with Debbie Sanford, and she's a native Californian. Boy, those are rare breed. We'll have to talk to her about that who lived in the Bay Area for 64 years. She retired from 24 years of preschool teaching in June of 2014. Shortly after that, her long-term marriage broke up and her youngest daughter became pregnant. They decided to buy a house in Carlsbad and relocated to be close by to Grandma. She did not know anyone except her daughter when she purchased the Beach House. It's a lovely, newish, manufactured home within blocks of the beach. It had always been a fantasy to live near the ocean for her. Three weeks after they moved, her first grandbaby was born. So welcome to the show, Debbie. Thanks for coming.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm
0: glad to be here. How long have you lived here in the San Diego area? 15 months. So brand new to the area. You lived in San Francisco.
1: I lived in a suburb. And you knew a lot of people. Yeah. Where Alamo? It's 30 miles east of San Francisco. Okay. And you probably had a wide variety of
0: friends there. I did of 35 years. Wow. So to pick up and move, that's a little adventurous of you. Yes, it was. So what did you do? How did you figure out what you were going to do after moving here and not knowing anybody
1: except your daughter and your new grandbaby. Yes, I didn't want to be a burden on my daughter and son-in-law as far as being a social burden on them. So I saw the baby during the week, but I needed something to do in the evenings and uh, weekends. So in my community where I purchased my manufactured home, there's 383 homes in there, and they have activities, and it's a 55-restricted place. So I just signed up for all the activities they had in the park. I think I worked on the used clothing sale and the white elephant sale and 4th of July parade and things like that. And so I met a lot of women my age there. And it was almost like having sorority sisters. That's fantastic. And then after that, I needed someone to hike with because I like to exercise every day. I need someone to hike with and to bike with. And I didn't, none of the ladies wanted to do that. So I found out about meetups, which is international organization. And you just Google meetups and say what you want to do and where you live. And these events come up and you just show up where it is and you have instant people to do things with. So I'm in about 20 meetups now. Now, are you active in all 20? Not all, but a good portion of them. Couple, Two or three of hiking meetups, a couple of camping meetups, a book club meetup, and a random acts of kindness meetup. Oh, that sounds interesting. I want to hear more about the random acts of kindness meetup. Tell me about that. Well, it's based a little south for me, so I've only gone a couple of times. But when I did do it, we met in San Diego by Petco, where there's a large number of homeless people. And we all brought water, and we just walked around and gave the homeless people water, and we made peanut butter sandwiches and gave it to them. That was very eye-opening. I didn't realize how many homeless live there, and I didn't know. It was interesting to know what kind of homeless etiquette is there. Like, if they were in their tent, do you knock on a tent? You know, you don't know. Hello, do you want some water? Do you want a peanut butter sandwich? So how did you find out what that etiquette was? Uh, just by asking other people that have done it before. So, so what is the etiquette? <laughs> yeah. um, you t- stand outside the tent. You don't go in their space. And you respect it just like you would a home. There's no doorbell, but you just call in. Hello, may I talk to you? Would you like some water? Would you like a sandwich? And most of the people... We're very happy and very appreciative. That's really neat. So how did you find out? You just searched random acts of kindness? or No, um, volunteer work. Although the other volunteer work that I'm doing now, I did not find out through meetups. So I do Meals on Wheels on Tuesdays. I have eight clients. Nice. And uh, you go in and you visit a little bit with them. And you bring them a meal and you get to know them. And then I joined the Lions Club uh, last spring, and I'm on the board of the Encinitas Lions Club. And then about a month ago, I joined the Kiwanis Club. Okay. And that is the most fun because I worked with a man named Captain Book. Captain Book. Yes, and Captain Book has been a volunteer with the Kiwanis for 15 years. He dresses up like Captain Hook, and he has a... (laughs) converted ambulance that's like a bookmobile thing, and he calls it the Good Ship Literacy.
0: The Good Ship
1: Literacy. How fun. two or three times a week, he goes to Head Start schools or Camp Pendleton. He goes down into Mexico, too, and does a little pirate skit. So now I'm part of his... Little skit, so I had to buy a pirate costume at Party City. Do you do do you say arg? <laughs> no, we have we have a certain little skit routine. Yeah, okay. but um, yeah, and it, it, it's wonderful. So we have music and lots of props, and we do a little performance. You would call it a live performance for the children, and then we give away free books. So he has given away. He was just honored a few weeks ago, honored for giving away his hundred thousandth book. Wow, a hundred
0: thousand books! Yes. yes, did he start this all on his
1: own? Yes, or it... well, through the Qantas Club, he did. Yes, he started it. Wow, that's incredible! And he incredible. is eighty-three now. Eighty-three, and he still does it. He's an inspiration. That is inspirational. I think he started when he retired. Wow. He was a professor of theater. Oh, so of course he created
0: a skit and everything because he knows how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That is really interesting.
1: So that's how you've met all your friends, by coming... Through meetups and in the park where I live. Yes. Yes. And through the meetups, you meet friends that you do things outside of the meetup. Like now I have a special friend that I spend time with, separate from the meetups. And so that's, I guess, think that's the point of meetups. You meet up, and then you make friends. And sometimes you don't really need the meetups anymore because you've made so many friends. But then you just love doing them, and you meet new people. And so it just keeps going.
0: One of my first interviews was with a woman named Joyce Leverich, and she runs a meetup group in North County San Diego that's just for women. Mm-hmm. And um, you can listen to that episode. I think it might be the second or third episode. Okay. but um, but that's how she she decided that she was going to create a meetup, mm-hmm. not just be an attendee of a meetup, and. Um, Her story is very interesting as well. So Mm -hmm. I love the fact that meetups are are getting around. And then another interview that I had was with a woman who retired at age 40 Mm -hmm. and moved to Costa Rica. And they don't have meetups where she lives because it's too small of a... She lives like in the middle of the mountain. And so there's not a lot of... It's not big enough to have a meetup there. But... I think that meetups are a great way to meet
1: people. Well, it's truly my salvation. Yeah, it's not about dating either. A lot of people... No, it isn't. It's not a dating um, website or a dating platform at all. However, there is a meetup that helps people learn how to online date. There is. Yes. So if you think you're interested in learning about online dating and the pitfalls and the things to be watching out for... It's a meetup to talk about it. There are, however, some meetups that are geared towards more social things that could lead to dating. So they might have happy hours. So that leads itself more to dating. And that's a lot of fun too. But the ones I'm primarily interested in are are activity-based.
0: Right, because you like to hike and you like to do other things. Well, that's really great. Because, you know, a lot of people will move and then they don't know what to do with themselves. Mm-hmm. Or one of the reasons why I created this show, and you said that you and your husband are separated, and I don't know the story or if you want to talk about that at all. But one of the reasons why I started this show is that when people retire, many times they will wind up getting a divorce because they wind up spending a lot of time together and And they're not used to it. Mm -hmm. So they go from working 2,000 hours a year to working no hours a year. And then all of a sudden, after six months of traveling and doing fun things and tying up loose ends, they hit
1: a wall and they don't know what to do with themselves. Mm -hmm. Do you want to address that? I can, although that did not happen to me because I separated fairly quickly after I retired. I've met so many people in the last year who actually are going through divorce or separated because single people tend to join a lot of meetups <laughs> because they used to be doing something with their spouse. Right. And then all of a sudden, there's no spouse. So I had it this doubly. I had no spouse and no friends. And so I that's why I immersed myself in it. I think what happens sometimes in retirement to couples is... They like to do different things and they're not willing to do what their spouse wants to do. They're not compromising. They're not compromising. So the way I see it is if you don't want to end up separated (laughs) and you think you're going to, you know, you're going to retire soon, you need to have some activities already on board that you and your spouse enjoy. And especially without other friends, because if you're going to be traveling a lot, you're going to be just the two of you. And it'd be really nice if you both like to hike or both like to bike or both like to photograph places and travel. So you really you really need to plan ahead for that. I think women basically are more social than men, and it's easier for them to join new activities and make new friends, and men traditionally don't have as many guy friends as women have girlfriends, and so it can be an unbalanced situation where the wife or whatever situation it is, is off doing all kinds of things, and the man, the husband, is at home like twiddling his thumbs because he's waiting for his wife to get home. And the wife doesn't want to feel that way. She doesn't want to feel like she has to be a social activities director. She doesn't want to feel like she has to hurry home to him because he doesn't know what to do, and he doesn't know how to make his own dinner, and he doesn't know what to do with himself, and he's always asking her, what are we going to do? Now, this wasn't my case, but I've talked to people who's di- who was their case. Because um, you've met a lot of people in I've met situation. a lot of people in the last year. I went through a class, uh, it was a wonderful class through um, San Diego Methodist Church, and it's also a national class, it's called Divorce Care, and it's a 13-week show, uh, one night a week, and it's all stages of separation, they talk about all the interesting things you need to get used to, look out for, living alone again. I could write a book about those people and the people that I've met, but basically, If you don't have common interests and you don't have common activities, it's not going to work out. So you need to plan ahead. (laughs)
0: That's really good advice because that's not something that our financial advisors tell us.
1: It's nothing to do with money.
0: You know, and that's, again, what this show is about. There's so much to retirement that has nothing to do with money, and again, that wasn't your situation, but you've talked to a lot of people where it is the situation. So thank you for sharing that. So what do you do now? So you're very, very involved now with volunteer work. Is is that something you always wanted to do when you were working?
1: Yes. Actually, I always have volunteered even when I was working. I went to the schools for their after-school program, and I helped the um, Kids that spoke only Spanish learned to read English and and various things like that. So I've always done volunteer work. It's just in my nature. I do think volunteering became more important once I retired because I did lose some of my identity. I did lose being Teacher Debbie, as I was called for (laughs) 24 years. And I didn't have that anymore. And to have a good feeling about yourself, I think that you need to feel like you're bigger than yourself. You do something for someone else. I don't understand anyone who's able, who doesn't help the community because it could be you that need the help. Right. In fact, sometimes when I'm delivering my meals on wheels, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, is someone going to be delivering me a meal (laughs) on wheel in 20 years or in 10 years? Because you don't know. Well, sometimes it's good just to have the company.
0: Yeah. You know, when you deliver the meals, do you drop them off or do you come in and have
1: a cup of coffee or Mm -hmm. tea or something? Visit with them a little bit just so they know, you know, someone cares. Um, And if if they don't answer the door, they know that you'll go and find um, the manager or you call a friend and say, do you know where this person is? It's not like you're just going to say, okay. And the other uh, reason that you want to do something for someone besides yourself is it helps you as much as it helps them. Like through the Lions Club, we um, work mainly to help people with sight issues. So we collect eyeglasses all over the community. And then we have Gift of Sight Days, which is set up in an elementary school. And we have volunteer optometrists come and screen people's eyes, and then they're given free eyeglasses.
0: And the Lions Club is international? It is
1: international. So it's, it's one of the oldest and largest service clubs, right up there with Rotary. Okay. And, and is uh, it always about eyesight, or is that primarily, just your club? primarily? Primarily, um, yes. Yeah, that's their main focus. And in the Kiwanis Club, besides doing Captain Book, the Kiwanis <laughs> Club is basically for children. In fact, we're active now. Um, we're going to do this uh, Miracle of Quarters, it's called, where the high school kids um, called the Key Club do... Um... I was in the Key Club. Okay. All right. So <laughs> R- Rady's Children's Hospital. Maybe you did that. Uh, no, it was in, in another that. state. But Oh, okay. And we do the Blind Surf Event in the Lions Club. I'm sorry. I'm jumping around. The Blind Surf Event where Every year in September, we have surfing for the blind people. So it takes about five sighted people to help one blind person surf. But it's totally beautiful to see the look on their face when they actually stand up on the surfboard.
0: Wow. It's that's,
1: totally beautiful.
0: That's amazing. I can't stand up on a surfboard.
1: <laughs> I can't either. <laughs>
0: That is really amazing. So really, it's helping yourself by helping others.
1: Yes, I wouldn't feel comfortable by just playing all the time because I have a strong work ethic. So it's how I'm able to balance, to feel I'm okay, I'm contributing something. I also spend a lot of time uh, in the afternoons taking care of my baby granddaughter. And I feel that I'm contributing to society by doing that as well because I'm you know, making life very stimulating for her. And and I offer a lot her. of activities, and I will be teaching her just like I did my preschool students, just at, in the home, though, and helping out my daughter so then she can do more, be more productive, and do her freelance work she's starting to do, and in turn maybe be active in volunteer stuff herself. So I feel I'm contributing to that life as well. You know what's funny? is that I
0: I accredit my grandmother for teaching me how to read. When we were little, my mother would drop us off at grandma's house, and grandma wanted to keep us out of her hair. And so she set up a table, like a card table, for my sister and I. My sister probably doesn't remember this because she was much younger, you know, about a year younger than me. And it's an early childhood memory. And she gave each of us a notebook with a pair of blunt scissors and a newspaper. And at the top of each page was a letter. So there was the letter A and then the letter B and the letter C. And we had to go through the newspaper and cut out all the words that started with that letter. And then use Elmer's glue and paste it into the notebook until that page was completely full. And I think I learned to read just through osmosis by finding the letters and cutting them out. And I think, I don't think she was really trying to teach us anything. I think she was just trying
1: to keep us busy. <laughs> yes, but that was very productive, busy work. It was. Unlike tell, telling you to color in the coloring book, which watch I, TV. I'm opposed to. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So interesting. So you're doing that, those type of activities mm-hmm. with your grand. Daughter. daughter uh-huh your granddaughter yeah. well that's really interesting so she'll probably have some although she's probably too remember, too young to remember them now if you're still doing this when she's 4 and 5 I hope
1: to be yes yeah then yes.
0: then that'll be great memories for her yes so that's really fantastic so i just want to make sure that we cover a couple of things so when you retired so you were a school teacher and you'd done
1: that for a number of years
0: mm-hmm. 30?
1: 24 years. 24 I years. I also did business work for 15 years before I had my babies. Oh, you did? Yeah, I worked for Metropolitan Life in San Francisco for 15 years. Were you in sales or what did no, you do? No, it was, um, I started out as a clerk typist, uh-huh. started out at the bottom and worked my way up to purchasing agents. So I purchased all the business forms for the company. So it was 15 years. And then I stayed home six years and had two children and stayed home with them. And then I started preschool teaching. That's great, because you got to stay home during the formative years. Yes, it was very important to me. I was very lucky.
0: That's wonderful. Yeah. And then you were a preschool teacher for Mm -hmm. 24 years. And now, was your retirement sudden, or did you work up to it?
1: How did that happen? Well, I wasn't... (laughs) It's hard. I wasn't really wanting to retire, but it worked out great. You know how sometimes things happen for a reason? Mm -hmm. Okay. The reason I needed to retire is because my job, which was teaching junior kindergarten or pre-K, became almost obsolete because there's a free program in California now called TK, Transitional Kindergarten. Oh. And- So the kids that I used to get that were in my class were kids that could have gone to kindergarten but weren't quite ready. Well, now all the school districts have, or at least the ones in the Bay Area, have free transitional kindergarten. So all those kids went to the public school. Oh, and yours was a private program. Private school. Private school. And it became pretty much through attrition that I needed to retire. Now, I did. and I was a little sad about it. But. If I hadn't retired, I wouldn't have been able to move down here when I found out my daughter was pregnant. So I found out she was pregnant only a month after I retired. Wow. Only one month after. So it just And she up... and her husband bought a house in Carlsbad. I'd never even been to Carlsbad. <laughs> so that was in July 2014. She found out she was pregnant. I'd never been to Carlsbad. And in January 2015, I moved down here.
0: Wow. So I perfect. was only
1: really living in the Bay Area where I had been for the last sixty four years for eight months. So really So I and, and at that time I was busy cleaning out the house. You know how you do when you first have a lot of time purging everything. And so I was and then the holidays came. So I really didn't have a lot of downtime. And then I moved here and just got so excited that it was beautiful here. I can walk to the beach. I it's I live in a wonderful area. I love the weather. People are so friendly. It was It's just a perfect place for me now. Wow,
0: that's great. So you sort of slowly retired, and then you knew when it was ready. So you kind of had notice.
1: Yeah, I did. It, it, but it wasn't like I made the decision. It right. was more like the decision was made. And, and I'm sure that happens to a lot of people through their companies laying off people. And they don't necessarily make the decision themselves. They're kind of saying, well, you know... <laughs> It's kind of time. Okay. Did you go through any kind of depression after that? Or you just
0: rolled up your sleeves, started cleaning out the house, and then all of a sudden it was ready to move to the San Diego area?
1: Now, if that had not happened, if my daughter had not become pregnant and I had not moved down here, I would have moved anyway. I probably would have moved to another retirement place or over 55 place um, up in Walnut Creek called Rossmore, which is lovely. I probably would have done that because I knew I would want to meet a lot of people my age that were retired. Most of my, yeah, at least half of my friends up in my area were still working. And there's a huge difference. That can be a problem. So you're all of a sudden not working. But, oh, guess what? Your friends are. What?
0: Right. Well, so you can't go yeah. to coffee. Yeah.
1: Well, I didn't really like to do that much anyway, but I still needed someone to do activities with. And so I probably would have relocated to a different age restricted area.
0: Did you know I, about Meetup when you lived?
1: No, I did not. But I also did not need them. Right. <laughs> because I had friends, like I said, same friends for 35 years, and I was working. And that was my life was full, and I was volunteering. My life was full. So yeah, it does change a lot when you're not working. I think. I think it's important to find something that gives you self-worth. You have to replace the feeling that you got of being worthy and feeling productive with something else. And it can be family or it can be volunteering or it can be a combination of both. Because you can't play all the time. I mean, you can for a while. But after a while, you're going to feel, I think, the need to contribute to society?
0: Well, look at all of the famous people that we have seen decline because all they're doing is playing and they're not really contributing. And I'm not going to name any names, but we all know the famous people who you read about or you hear about that that they're just playing and partying and not really contributing to society. And then many of them wind up passing away mm-hmm. or getting very sick. And I think part of it is because of what you said they, they really don't have a self a self-worth. They're famous yeah but deep down inside they know that they're really not contributing what they could. So I think that's very, very important the, the, the point that you just made. So we're getting to the end of the um, interview and there's a couple of questions that I always ask all of my guests. And the first one
1: is, what do you wish that you would have known before you retired? Well, wow, that's a hard question. I guess I wish that I would have known how happy I was going to be. Because when you're knowing you're going to retire, you tend to be a little bit nervous. Or at least I was a little bit nervous of how I'm going to be. I, it was my identity. And now my identity will be gone. And how am I going to be? But I'm actually happier now in retirement than I was when I was working. And I loved my job. I loved my job. So that, that is really saying a lot, to be happier in retirement than I was happy and with my job. And so I wish I would have known that. Then I wouldn't have maybe been anxious. Okay. I was a little anxious. That's good. That's
0: very good advice. The second question that we ask is, we have a lot of listeners who may, or, may already be retired. Mm-hmm. And they might not be as active as you. They might feel stuck. Mm -hmm. If you were sitting across the table right now from a retiree who feels stuck, what would be the piece of advice
1: that you would give that retiree? Well, I would ask them to do what I did. I went to um, a meeting um, by the city of Carlsbad, so whatever city they live in, they have volunteer bureaus. Every city does. And it's held once a month. And they tell you at this meeting all the volunteer opportunities in the whole city. Wow. And they have uh, lots of brochures that describe all the opportunities. There is certainly something for everyone. You don't have to be active. It can be um, something as simple as doing the um, friendly visitors with the the dogs or the pets to a to a nursing home. It can be um, as simple as helping someone with their taxes. It can, be, I mean, it doesn't have to be active physically. It even, you know, it it can be just active socially or mentally. But there's such a need in every community, and I'm interested in helping children. But there's people that are maybe interested in helping. Older children or young adults or disabled adults or elderly. There might just be someone that wants to go read stories some, to someone. And and that's fine because there is an opportunity for every type of need for the voluntary In other words, whatever they're interested in, there's probably someone that can benefit with their knowledge and their time. It's all about time. It's all about their... Someone doesn't have time. No one has time. No one has time. Well, yeah, you do now. You actually do now. You can say, <laughs> oh, I do have time to go help that, um, the people down the street move in that can't lift any boxes or that are having trouble um, learning how to set up their computer. I can do that. And so you find something and, and you feel a need. And when you do that, you feel something in yourself, too. Awesome awesome advice
0: I have contact information for you but I don't know if you want to put that out over the air if
1: you do my email fine okay sure Uh, my email is orange otter teach so it's the color orange the animal otter and the word teach short for teacher that was my class my class were the orange otters so I kept the email even though I'm retired So it's OrangeOtterTeach at AOL.com. Well, thank you so
0: much for coming on the show. You're welcome. And for my listeners, don't forget that on Mondays we release interviews with retirees. And on Thursdays we release interviews with people who can help with sandwich generation issues. So till next time on Rock Your Retirement.
1: Thanks for listening to the Rock Your Retirement Show. If you are rocking your retirement or know someone who would make a great guest on our show, please send us an email at podcast at rockyourretirement.com.
0: Are you a senior who's thinking of buying or selling a home? Is it time for mom and dad to think about moving to a retirement community where they can get more help and care? You need a realtor who specializes in working with seniors and understands their special needs. Patty Phillips is a senior real estate specialist, and she helps seniors sort through the difficulties involved with moving. Contact her today to get honest and caring real estate advice. Call 800-680-9133 and ask for her report. The five things seniors need to know before they move call 800-680-9133 now oh wait i wanted to thank you again for listening to the rocky retirement show if you're a new listener a good place to start is episode 116. this explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy Episodes one through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August, actually August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to, and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, Subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically what you do is you download the app and then you search for the show and when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show And that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, Actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, We we actually downloaded some of his episodes. If you hear him, it's probably still the the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review, saying how great the show is, or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course we're shooting for those five star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money, and of course, by now you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to slash support, and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.